0: Welcome to another episode of the Covenant Community Kids Podcast. I'm Jacqueline Jones. And I'm Genevieve Jones. And our guest today is Hope Yarrington. Hi, Hope. Hi. Hi. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited. Oh yay! We're very <laughs> excited <too. laughs> to have you. Yeah. How has your day been going? Uh, pretty good. Um, okay. I just got back from church and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> easy Sunday. <is> <laughs> good. Cool. So what drew you to be on the podcast? Have you heard it before? Uh, yes. So, I saw kind of like when you guys were starting it up um I saw it on the Facebook page the Covenant Community Facebook page and Mm -hmm. I thought that it was a really really good idea and so I started listening to some of the some of the episodes and yeah I just I related to a lot of the stuff that people were saying and it was really interesting to learn about other people's experiences and yeah realized that a lot of it was super relevant to me as well. And so that was really encouraging just to kind of know that I wasn't the only one who went through certain things in community. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad it felt that way. Yeah. Would you mind telling us a little bit about how you got involved in community and just the history with it? Yeah. So I was born into community. Um, my parents were... They met actually through UCO when they were both at Michigan State. So they, yep, they've been in UCO. They made full commitments to community after that. And then, yeah, it's basically just been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. And I've done all the, I've done all the, all the community things. Uh, Yeah. Just, you know, all the youth groups, all the summer camps and Mission trips and gap years and pretty much like everything you can think of. So, wow. yeah, it's been a big part of my life for a really long time. Yeah, and this is in Lansing. Yes, it is. And are you um, still a part of community? No, I am not. Okay, <laughs> okay. I've been out of it for. Let's see. So I I went on a gap year to Dublin. Okay. Um, hold on. And when I came back, I came back in 2018 and I was in UCO for like that first semester of the school year. And then after that, I just left after thinking about it for a while. And I haven't really done anything with community since then. Yeah. We can go into that a little bit more in detail later, but that's like,
1: sure. Yeah.
0: Kind of the, the timeline. Yeah. 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 So when you were um, growing up in community, what was sort of your perception of it? Like, did it, did it feel very normal in ways that maybe it doesn't now? Or did it feel like, did you feel isolated? Did you feel, what was your experience of just being a kid growing up in the work of Christ? Yeah, I think it did feel very normal. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it was just something that we had always done, you know, we would go to mass in the mornings on Sundays, and then we would go to the prayer meetings in the afternoons. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, from when I was super young, we were doing like the, even like the children's programs down to like the preschool age and stuff like that. And so Mm -hmm. it was like the community center, the Work of Christ Community Center was a place that I felt really at home at, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, it was, it felt really normal to me basically up until probably my senior year of high school. Um, but yeah, I just remember being in like our high school youth group, which was CYA or Christian Youth in Action. I think it was, I remember being in our high school youth group and inviting a bunch of people to it. And it was just weird for me to have them say that it felt weird to be there oh yeah like this is totally normal what are you talking about um yeah i think maybe that sort of was a a catalyst to me realizing that it wasn't a super normal thing that everybody experienced um Mm -hmm. especially the charismatic part of it like the charismatic worship i remember one of my friends saying like i don't know why in between songs everybody was just talking the whole time because she had been yeah. hearing, you know, people just kind of like, you know, singing out praises and everything like that. And she was like, "Why was everybody talking between the songs?" <gasps> um, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, you have like a five minute worship song and then a five minute time of worship. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so basically, all of my friends too were part of community, and we. I homeschooled up until I was in fifth grade, and then we started going out to school. Um mm-hmm. And before that, you know, we were doing like the homeschool co-ops with a bunch of other community people, and we'd go over to their houses, and we'd do school with them, and it just, it was basically an element in every single part of my life, so it felt very normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you did start going to school, were you going to, like, after, like, your private schools, or were you going to public school? We went to public school. Um, it was, it was a charter school, so it was, like, I feel like it was sort of in between. Like, we had to wear uniforms, and we yeah. were taught, like, more about, like, morals and stuff like that. But it wasn't necessarily a, a private school by any means. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, my mom and dad yeah. liked the idea. It was just opening, so I was – I started fifth grade the year that it opened. And they were like, okay. well, we don't really want to send our kids out to, like, public, public school, but, like, this one sounds pretty good. So we went with that. Yeah, yeah That makes sense. What was that transition like for you? Um, it was, it was interesting for sure. Uh, It was definitely an adjustment. It was really mm-hmm. overwhelming. I just, I mean... I I had known the same people my whole life and so meeting new people and making new friends was really a struggle for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Um and we we experienced sort of like an adverse reaction from the people that, you know, we had grown up with in community because really oh. they I guess to we were going just going to school. Of like, yeah, we were just kind of on the outside. I guess, after that, you know, we weren't going to the homeschooling things anymore. And, you know, we had, we already lived, you know, my whole life we've been living away from Diamonddale, which is like the whole group of everybody in community, basically all the like community families with kids our age. And so oh, I think is that like a neighborhood. Yeah. Um And so... My mom always wanted to move out there so we could be around all the community families. But it never happened. It's just, it's more of a, like, rich neighborhood, I guess. Okay. (laughs) Um. But, yeah, so we'd already been sort of on the outside with that, but we'd still had the connection to the homeschooling groups and stuff. And then when we started going out to school, there was sort of a, I guess, like a a split. (laughs) I guess we didn't Mm. really see. Um, we didn't really see people that often and we just were kind of on the outside of all of their activities and stuff like that. And it felt very, we just, we felt very excluded from everything. I think I can speak for all of my siblings when we, when I say we feel very excluded from all of their activities, just because it's daily life. Like, I mean, they live their daily lives together and we're just, we're not there in that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I feel like I can definitely relate to that feeling of like you have to be all in. Mm-hmm. And you said that all of you you know feel comfortable speaking for all of your siblings. How many of you are there? Um, there's, so there's me, my sister Joy, who actually passed away last October. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, thank you. Um, and then she was 19 when she passed away. And there's my sister Faith, who just turned 19, and my brother Evan, who is 16. So okay. there are four of us. Uh, I like your names, Faith Hope and Joy. Thank you. Uh, that was <laughs> always then. the joke. It was like Hope, Joy, Faith. And then there's Evan. <laughs> <And> Evan. <laughs> He's the only boy. He's the only one without a virtue name. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cute. And yeah, I'm sorry to hear about your sister. I know that. You know we have a brother who passed away when he was 21 and it's it it's really hard obviously but it also i know in our experience it like definitely like can change dynamics like people don't always know how to respond to it yeah definitely yeah so were you um you said you went on a gap year to dublin mm-hmm. what was what was that like like was it Did Dublin feel very different from Lansing or were they pretty similar? Um it definitely felt very different. Uh so the Dublin community is it's still ecumenical, so they are welcoming to all denominations, but it is very predominantly Catholic, which makes sense just because it's in Ireland and Ireland's a very Catholic country. (laughs) So we would do community masses where you know everybody in the community would kind of like i guess reserve the church and like have a mass all altogether um Aww. and which I really liked i'm yeah, I'm still very much a practicing Catholic, and I think mm-hmm. when I was on my gap year, I was sort of realizing that like community had taken over a lot of areas of my life <laughs> that I wanted mm-hmm. um. I wanted to embrace my Catholic faith more. And so it was yeah. nice to be a part of that community where a lot of us were Catholic and a lot of the teachings and uh talks and stuff had Catholic elements to them. We did stuff for, you know, Lent before Easter and a bunch of different things like that. So it definitely felt very different in that aspect. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what other what other things i sort of noticed about the community i think that was the main one um yeah that's a big thing yeah Yeah. i also just noticed that maybe it was just the people in general or maybe it was like i don't know if it had anything to do with community really but i noticed that the people in the uco that i worked with there were a lot more welcoming than the uco that i had experienced here in lansing it was a lot less like it was a lot less clicky than mm. it is here um yeah. and so that it was i mean i had really great experiences with community and uco and stuff in dublin um yeah so that it was really good <laughs> yeah it sounds weird. like it yeah yeah but but it does seem like it would be really interesting i know that something like different members of our family have talked about it at times just the feeling like there's like your Catholic life and then there's your community life mm-hmm. and that they can feel, you know, it's not that they necessarily directly contradict each other, but like community requires so much time and commitment that, you know, you don't necessarily feel like you have enough spiritual space left mm-hmm. to like give that to Catholicism also. Yep. So that makes a lot of sense that it would feel like just sort of a more unified experience for it to be also primarily Catholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like I know for myself when I was in community and practicing Catholicism like something that I noticed was my relationship with God was felt very personal and felt very special and individual and when I tried to bring that to community it felt like it wasn't the same and i'm curious what your experience was trying to hold community Catholicism specifically like the lansing community yeah that's really interesting because it's really interesting that you say that you know your personal relationship with god was a lot more like emphasized in the church Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and trying to like sort of reconcile that with like the community teachings and stuff i feel like i had a fairly similar yeah. experience with that actually okay. um yeah i mean the main one well i guess one of the main things that uh i was struggling with with trying to balance community and like catholicism was just kind of like you said the time commitment to community mm-hmm. because it did take up so much time and. Yeah. You know, we were doing youth groups every Thursday night. Um, occasionally there would be retreats. You'd do prayer meetings on Sundays and it, it left not a lot of time for, you know, investing more in the Catholic Church besides just going to mass on Sundays. And so that was, Mm -hmm. I guess, one of the main deterrents from community for me. Um, but also, yeah, I, a lot of the, teachings and a lot of the talks that we got in our youth group really just kind of had to do with rules and like very mm-hmm. sort of like practical logistical things that mm-hmm. you know you had to do like they they always emphasized the you know personal aspect of prayer but didn't really yeah encourage you or I guess show you how to have that, yeah, like not put it into practice, yeah, exactly, yeah, and like the practical and like logistical sort of things, I feel like just kind of overtook it. You know, I remember they would have these yeah. specific teachings on personal prayer, but they would just kind of be like, You have to make sure you're doing at least 15 minutes a day, and after you're done with a week of doing 15 minutes a day, make it up to 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour and um, make sure you're doing this and this and this and this and this every day in your prayer time. And uh, it got to the point where I would just like kind of wake up in the morning and like kind of check things off of that list. Like, all right, I did this Mm. part of my prayer. I did this part of my prayer and this part of my prayer. And now I'm going to go back to bed. And I was like, that's fine. (laughs) I checked it all off. And I feel like yeah, our... You know, when I was in high school, like our youth group sort of just instilled that idea in my head, um, mm-hmm. which maybe that's probably not what they were meaning to do. But sure, like, there wasn't much room for really talking about like God's character and like his love for us. Yeah. That was something that was just a stark difference that I noticed in community And then the church, Um, I feel like the church talked about God in such a more like loving, compassionate, relational way. And what I experienced in community was like, you have to follow these rules or you're going to hell and you're in a battle right Mm -hmm. now. And you have to fight. And, you know, I I don't know, there's going to be hardships and you're just going to have to deal with the hardships and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. That was that was sort of the main things of what i experienced the differences between those two things yeah i don't know if it's fair to say from your perspective but it's sounding like community that's really like controlling and catholicism is really loving and those are two very different um yeah. yeah so practicing your face. <laughs> yeah it definitely i i love that it, de- it did feel very controlling i agree with that a lot yeah yeah and very like it's interesting to me hearing both of you talk about the difference between the personal relationship and the rules and i think another way that that's manifested was also like in community it was so much about outward expression Like Mm -hmm. I remember getting in trouble, like someone tapping me on the shoulder and being like, you're not singing the songs, like you haven't raised your hands at all yet this prayer meeting, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that, where I was Mm -hmm. like, that's not like, like, great. That's not like, it never felt good to me. And it just, it it's interesting to think about it that way. Yeah, that like you know, yes, have a personal relationship, do these things, check off the boxes in the morning or whatever, but, if we don't see it, like we have to be able to see this expression and that's part of the rules. And if you're not doing that, then they don't like it's like yeah, it's not valid. Like there's no way to know that you're actually doing it. Like yeah, more for the people around you than not. Right. It sort of that's that's really interesting because I experienced that a lot too. I remember being in one of the um in one of our like Youth group prayer meetings and just being like this just isn't life giving to me anymore. Just having that realization and having sort of like an existential crisis, being like, I've known this my whole life, but this is not the way that I I pray. This is not the way that I receive life from prayer. Like I I'm much more of like a I I love my like meditative sort of quiet prayer times, and I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't, I especially don't like feeling pressured to have that outward yeah. expression. I yeah. will yes. do it if I really am into it, I guess. But yeah, no, I just, I yeah. I, I didn't like that pressure at all. And yeah. it sort of reminds me of that. I, I won't be able to say where this verse comes from or anything like that, mm-hmm. but it reminds me of the verse where, um, like, it basically says, you know, there, when you're fasting, like, don't make it like an outward expression that you're, that you're fasting and don't go out to everybody and kind of proclaim it, like, do it in the quiet of your home. And don't sort of be like, oh, look at me, I'm so holy because I'm fasting right now. <laughs> Do you guys know what I'm talking I about? Am, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. Just what that reminded <laughs> me of. It kind of like, not that I want to say that, you know, people in community are being heretical or that they're not no, following no, no, no. the rules or anything like like it. that, no. yeah. It's kind of like that. It seemed like there are, were a lot of people who you Know if you like if you raised your hands only up so high, then like you were sort of mm-hmm. average, but if you had your hand all the way up, it was like, Oh, she's 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 totally. praying right now, she's really experiencing God. And then if you knelt down, that was like the peak of it. I was like, Oh, oh amen. Amen. yeah, Next Next look at her, she's <laughs> kneeling down during prayer times. That's what I always wow. thought, anyway. That's yeah, It that yeah, that makes a lot of sense, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I it's true, like, I definitely was part of that in you know in in how i perceived it also like you were saying like yeah absolutely had different ideas about what it meant based on how people were expressing Mm -hmm. like what what their experience of spirituality in that moment was yeah based on their posture yeah there's just like a lot of so interesting to think back on like just like remembering like retreats and things and like there was a lot of concern about what other people were doing and yeah like how people are perceiving you and the where the intention should just be on god and like yeah yeah did you uh, express like your concerns with community to anybody and what was that process like of kind of leaving that and yeah um, so this was something I actually really wanted to bring up um there's a specific instance when i was on my gap year um, i i just started realizing that like during the prayer meetings and during the uco meetings and stuff like there was something in my heart that just wasn't in it and i wasn't experiencing god at all from the prayer meetings and things that we were doing and it just it felt really 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 difficult to get myself to go to them and to pretend like, you know, I was experiencing God and everything was going okay. And so I did bring that up to one of the leaders of our gap year. And I don't know if I just didn't convey what I was thinking in a, you know, articulate enough way, or I don't know. But basically she said like, hope you don't sound like yourself right now. And I was so much in distress, trying to explain to her what I was feeling and how I was, you know, really struggling Mm with the, with the prayer meetings and just not really understanding and not really being in it. And she just kind of like dismissed it. Um, so that was really, really difficult. And then she asked me if I was still keeping in contact with one of my my friends from lansing um who Mm -hmm. had since left community and left uco and she said the the leader of our program said that i shouldn't be staying in contact with her i shouldn't be talking to her Mm -hmm. because she's putting these ideas in my head about community that aren't right and so oh wow that was sort of my first experience of speaking out any sort of thing about community that wasn't in accordance with what they believed. And yeah. it did not go well. Um, I was very, very, very hurt by that. I like, I remember no, going course. home after that to the the host family that I was staying with and just like crying to the mom and being like, I don't feel like she understood anything I was saying and she just told me to like stop talking to my best friend because she was, you know, putting these ideas in my head and like, I don't know. It felt very was the opposite of support. Yeah, yeah. I agree. We. Yeah. I I didn't have a super good relationship with that director, especially after that interaction because. Sure. Yeah. It. Yeah, it was very frustrating. It was really like yeah patronizing too to assume that like these you you know these thoughts can't be yours they must be planted by someone else you know right people are complex people struggle with all sorts of things and like have all sorts of crises of faith and to assume that's just always coming from an outside source and not like your own feeling and your own experiences Mm -hmm. yeah like you said that's super dismissive i'm sorry that happened yeah it made me feel very like very much like i was being brainwashed to like you're limiting the sources of Mm -hmm. information and input that i can get to only ones that are supportive of this way of life right like it it was quite frustrating yeah Uh, well and not being supported by the person who's supposed to be your spiritual support and like i don't know i feel like in catholic kind of going back to the juxtaposition of community and catholicism like for my personal experience i felt a lot more support in my wrestling with god from catholicism mm-hmm. and when, it, when i came to community and i tried to like bring up concerns or like you know new ideas that i was having was always shut down like that like I've had similar experiences hope, of people being like oh just stop talking to that person yeah. that's where the thought is coming from and it's that's that's a very isolating thing mm-hmm. to experience yeah, yeah, yeah did you um I mean I can imagine for me that would be like okay well that's it I'm shut down like I'm not trying that again but did you um you know, try talking to anybody else about what was going on or what was kind of your next step after that? Um, I did, I, I made a really, really good friend on that gap year and we still keep in touch and she lives in Minnesota. I go and see her every once in a while. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I talked to her a lot, um, just about what I was, what I was experiencing and how things were going for me and so that was a really good outlet because she is probably like the least judgmental person you'll ever meet and she's just kind of like well if you feel like this is what you know God is calling you to do then do it um whether that's the community staying community anything like that and so it that was really really helpful for me um I think I was a bit hesitant after you know the incident with our director to like actually reach out to somebody again um yeah but yeah she was very supportive and um even though like obviously I still had to keep going to prayer meetings and stuff because that was just one of my like obligations during the year like knowing that I I guess had her with me and like she knew what was going on that was really that was really helpful, um yeah. but it it has always been hard for me to sort of reach out to people and like ask for help and explain that I'm struggling and admit that I'm struggling um mm-hmm. so I probably could have talked to her a lot more than I did like I just remember going out mm-hmm. of like the u c o prayer meetings and like sitting in the bathroom and like sobbing and feeling so trapped I guess I was like well I'm here for the rest of the year I can't leave I have to keep doing this um and I know like those were times that I probably could have reached out and I didn't mm -hmm. but yeah it was it was good at least to know (laughs) that there was somebody that I could talk to especially during that time totally yeah. yeah and I i mean reaching out is really hard like talking about stuff is really hard especially if you've had an experience where you're dismissed or shut down mm-hmm. you know like of course it's it makes it more difficult and if you're already feeling really bad and you feel like it might be, make it worse mm-hmm. like you know I think that makes a lot of sense and I commend you for like getting through that year too because I think you know that takes a lot of commitment and dedication to be like well I committed to doing this and so now I just have to do it yeah (laughs) you know like I think that's actually really cool That's you know not a lot of people have that kind of like fortitude to just this is what I'm doing and I'm gonna get Mm. through it I mean there were definitely many times during the year that I remember texting my mom being like mom I'm coming home book me a flight please (laughs) (laughs) I really I just I think part of it was just yeah that feeling of like just being so trapped um because like I mean I I made so many good relationships there I love the people that I met I miss them so dearly but it was yeah uh, being in community and doing UCO stuff all while I was having this sort of like crisis of is this what I'm called to and is this life giving for me? Um, just mm-hmm. felt really, really I don't know, I felt really trapped. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and especially when it's something that is so immersive and it's like if you were born in it like you were, like this is all you've ever known. Mm-hmm. And it can be really scary. I'm speaking for myself here too, to, to <laughs> like to think of leaving that and to like yeah. be like, what is my life going to look like without all these people and all these events that I'm doing all the time? Yeah. Like, it's a very um, hard transition to make. Yeah, I'm curious if there was anything in particular that like stuck out to you transitioning out of community. Um, were there any like culture shocks for you? Let's see. It was really. <laughs> It was hard to get out of it. <laughs> um, yeah. I just like kind of because like you said, you know, I was I was praying about it and kind of like writing pros and cons lists and thinking like, OK, so if I stay in it, then I'll be connected to all of these people. Um, and I I had this realization that I really there were certain people in our UCO whose approval I really, really craved. And I had been craving that approval for a long time. And so that was a big part of it was just like, okay, if I'm not in UCO, I'm not going to be invited over to their house and like do all these UCO things. And like, there was sort of like a, just like fear of like missing out on all of that stuff and being connected to that. And I think a lot of it was fear of just not knowing what my life would look like after I left um mm-hmm. eventually you know I made the decision not to continue on with UCO in that next semester and I was still sort of in contact with um with the people that I you know that were in UCO I think at that point I was living with a couple other UCO girls I think that was that year Okay. So through them, I was still um, in contact with people and, you know, going over to houses and just hanging out and watching movies and all that stuff. After I moved out of that house, though, I moved back in with my parents. And I think that. That was a big transition for me, because um, I didn't really just have that like built in connection. And
1: mm-hmm. I think
0: also especially in our UCO, there's like a stigma against like living with your family. <laughs> um, it's like if you're not doing uh-huh. household or if you're not like, you know, living in the dorms or living by yourself, like what are you doing? Are you even following God's plan for you? And it, that's just oh, whoa, interesting. my, I mean, that's just my sort of perception of it. But, sure. I mean, I was not in a good place financially. I was not in a good place mentally. And I was like, I just need to I need to be at home. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was, that was hard feeling like everybody else was kind of like moving on with their lives and like moving up and, you know, still living in households and stuff like that. And I was just kind of like, mm-hmm. again, it, it sort of prodded at that feeling of I'm an outsider. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I still sort of struggle with, That feeling even to this day though it's much less so um but yeah I mean I go to I go to church on Sundays and like all the people in UCO go to the same church as I do and then we have like Mm -hmm. coffee and donuts and social stuff afterwards and it's hard to see them all like Mm -hmm. sitting at their table together like they have their own like little UCO table and then it's just me and my sister alone (laughs) at Um, our table. um, And so, I mean, yeah, it, it, it is difficult still, but I'm realizing that, like, I don't need their approval on my life and I don't need to crave that approval. Um, and I, at this point, like, I am not really friends with anybody that I grew up with. Maybe, like, one or two people that I occasionally keep in contact with. um. But it's it's weird because I'm in sort of this area, this period of my life of, like, transitioning away from that. Like, just recently I stopped being friends with someone who I had been friends with for a really, really long time. And I feel like that was Mm. sort of the end of, like... Being friends with community people, um yeah, yeah. and well, so it it is really strange. I think the friendships were what kept me in it the most, um, and yeah. made me most hesitant about leaving it, for sure. Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I mean, it's it is scary to think about. You know, well, what if? I think that's something a lot of people on this podcast have expressed is that like realizing your entire social life and life in general involves community and what would it even look yeah. like to not have that and then kind of making that leap which is sort of gradual you know like one friendship and another and and it yeah I think it's really scary and it can feel sort of like ungrounded and you know I think that's part of the reason we wanted to do this is to, you know, remind people that like, we're still here. There's there's others who have left and, and, you know, you'll, you'll find your footing and there's so much like opportunity and goodness in the world and that, you know, it's going to be okay. It's, it's hard. It's super hard, but I think it's also like a really cool thing that those of us who have left have gone through is like, that complete shift of like living and ideology and you know some people don't ever question the things they grow up in that way yeah and I think it can lead to a lot more fulfillment if you do yeah I was just gonna say I feel very like fortunate to like to have left community and be sort of like thinking more (laughs) thinking more critically about what I believe and not just sort of blindly, like following every single thing that
1: they yeah. thought.
0: Um, and it's been difficult for sure because I, I feel almost like guilty for questioning what I believe um, when yeah. like, that's like a totally normal thing that people do, especially if they've been surrounded yes. by yeah. like the faith their whole life. um, mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I really, I really, really appreciate you guys making this podcast because there are so many things that I just can relate to, and it's actually been like very healing to listen to it <sighs> and just like hear kind of like there is like hope on the other side that makes it sound like I don't know I'm, I'm leaving a cult or something, but <laughs> it kind of did feel like that when I was <laughs> leaving it, you know. <laughs> be the first to say it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm i in a long-distance relationship right now, and so the podcast has been super good to listen to on, like, the four-hour drives up north to see my boyfriend. So that's been, like, my go-to thing. I'm like, oh, I get to listen to the podcast today. (laughs) Nice. Oh, I love that. And now you can hear you on it. Yeah, Yeah. I I totally want to listen to myself. <laughs> <laughs> it is a weird feeling It is, yeah. 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 Um, speaking of relationships, so I know that there was a pretty big difference between like how Ann Arbor, UCO and worker Price operated or community operated versus the Lansing community. And I'm curious to hear your perspective on that specifically when it comes to um relationships and dating culture, purity culture. Um do you have any experiences or thoughts on that subject? Mm-hmm, I do. <laughs> um I was Yeah. So I think there there was somebody who mentioned the fact that in order to be in small groups, um, for our like high school youth group, you had to take this commitment, um, to not mm-hmm. date. And it that was it was out of a another another couple things like you know you had to commit to going to the large groups and the small groups and having daily prayer times and something like that but it was everybody just kind of referred to it as like it's the no dating commitment um mm. so that really i struggled with that for a long time because it really stigmatized relationships um yeah. I'm going to go back to like, like really, really young <laughs> childhood. Um, oh, yeah. uh, a while ago, it was when I was probably, I don't know, I want to say seven or so. Uh, we would have like, so during, you know, the Sunday prayer meetings when the adults would be all out yeah. doing their thing, they would have these like children's prayer meetings. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, they'd have leaders and, it was just like all the kids of the sort of the same age in our own little like prayer meeting thing um there was one one mom uh who didn't like the fact that boys and girls were praying together in this like environment, and so it started this okay. split of like okay, we would have like girls' prayer meeting and boys prayer meeting, and you know basically. Everything from then up to when you got into high school, boys and girls were split up. And that was really weird because oh. when you get yeah. into high school, obviously, like, you know, everything is changing. <laughs> like, yeah. um, yeah. You know, and it's, that's when they sort of <laughs> really tried to, like, tell us, um, you need to have healthy, relationships between boys and girls and you need to have brother-sister relationships and it's like i don't know how to act around boys i haven't been with them my entire life it's always been separated um yep so and then i feel like the no dating commitment the ideal commitment really just kind of fed into that so there was just there was not a lot of support for there was not any support honestly i'm just going to say it there wasn't any support for people who were in relationships during high school and mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. our youth group was majority homeschoolers who lived out in the like Diamonddale cluster of families there were other people who you know were going out to public school and like that was just something they yeah they were dating during high school and like that was very normal (laughs) um yeah and there was just no there was no support for them which is really heartbreaking for me I was like in this weird sort of like on again off again thing with uh this person that I grew up with for like two years Mm -hmm. I think but we never really Mm -hmm. actually defined it as dating because that would mean that we were breaking the ideal commitment basically. Right. Oh, and so yeah, it was just really like I feel like it just made it so that people got better at sneaking around and doing yeah, stuff absolutely. like that instead of actually <laughs> following the rules that they set and I there wasn't much of explanation for why um why they didn't want people to date during high school. Mm. Um and There wasn't many, there weren't many talks on how to have good, like, brother-sister relationships with people. I just remember, like, the only talks and stuff that we had that pertained to relationships at all were about marriage and sex. And it was like, okay, none of us are at the point where we're even thinking about marriage yet. Um, Right. But you're... Talking to us all about marriage and, you know, how to, <laughs> how to like prepare for a good marriage when you're not even allowing us to date. Like, it, it, there right. was a disconnect yeah. there. It just didn't make sense yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I remember like my sister Joy went out to public school for high school. I think starting when she was a sophomore. And, uh, she was just sort of like, I don't know. I don't want to say like excommunicated because that's a really strong word. But she because of that was sort of on the outskirts of our our youth group. And you know, she was getting involved with like theater and stuff like that. And uh it was making more friends outside of community. And I was yeah. I was really happy for her. I was like, this is great. I'm yeah I'm glad that you're sort of like just kind of embracing your own desires and what you want to do um but yeah it it made it so that people I've heard so many like awful things about um my sister I'm going on like a tangent here (laughs) um that's okay but yeah like one of my friends one of my really good friends when we were younger um my sister joy and i and this friend used to all be really good friends we used to have this like pretty tight group and then when joy started going mm-hmm. to public school um i just remember this friend making this comment to me like joy is really weird don't you think i'm like no i don't that oh. she's my sister like I don't think yeah. she's weird. Like what are you Oh man. I don't know. It was really really strange. I Yeah, it it was just I heard a lot of things about my sister. A lot of really judgmental things and some of like, you know, my younger sister Faith's friends weren't even allowed to come over to our house. Basically their parents said no wow. because of joy. Um Ooh. Because she was going to public school? Because, yeah, she was going to public school. She was getting involved in different things that weren't community-related. And, I mean, later after high school, she did have a drug problem. And so I can sort of see where Mm -hmm. parents were a little bit hesitant. But I think it could have been communicated better to the point where it was like, if your child comes over they are not going to be offered drugs okay (laughs) like it is fine (laughs) I promise you yeah Yeah. that's still something that our family deals with a lot um anyway all that sort of to say like if you don't my experience was if you didn't adhere to the outlines and the guidelines that the teachings and community kind of set up for you you were you were exiled from it. You were on the outskirts of it, you know? Right. Which, I mean, didn't really make sense to me that much because it's supposed to be an outreach. You're supposed to be reaching yeah, out exactly. to the people who are struggling the most. Um. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that <laughs> that's basically, that's it. Like, that's one of my main things with it is just yeah. if you can't, do what they want you to do then they just tell you to get out basically yeah yeah i'm sorry to hear that you guys dealt with all of that like the you know the way that you say they were talking about your sister is so much like what you were saying about relationships and dating like when they identify an area of concern it's like just it's almost like immediately you're a lost cause and you just need to save everyone else from being mm-hmm. like, like that kind of like closed off no access yeah. like instead of yeah like reaching out and supporting that person because it's hard to date in high school and it's hard to start doing drugs and mm-hmm. like experimenting with things and of course if people are saying bad things about you and distancing themselves like that's not gonna help any of that yeah I agree 100% and yeah like I feel like they I don't know a lot of them a lot of people in community that I've experienced sort of treated especially addiction as just a moral failing like oh you decided to get into this you decided to you know, deter yourself from the faith, and, like, you decided to start using drugs in a sort of, like, I don't know, in a neglect of your faith, and I'm Mm -hmm. actually in school for social work right now, and so, that is, like, yay, I love all (laughs) these social workers in post community. Yeah, (laughs) oh my gosh. Um... But yeah, that's like one of the main things that we're learning about. I'm doing a minoring in uh, substance abuse studies, too. And so we've been talking about that a lot. Oh, like, should we consider addiction as a moral failing? Like, no, we shouldn't consider addiction as a yeah, moral failing. Absolutely like, not. Anybody can get it. Anybody. That's <laughs> that's what, you know, they said, like, addiction is an equal opportunity affliction, basically. Um yeah, Wow. Yeah. And I was really struck by that because I just feel like it was so. There were so many people who, you know, left because you know community was always saying that like, you know, we're going to be your main support. We're going to be you know the people that you go to. We're providing pastoral leaders for you. We're providing women's groups and men's groups for you. But like, they're not equipped to deal with stuff like addiction. Yeah. Like that's so that's so right. serious and that's so like right I don't know I feel like they just try yeah. to sort of pray it away like you you know we would have these like healing meetings yeah. and they would just say like if anybody you know you know you would sit in your groups and you'd say like I'm struggling with addiction and it yeah it was just kind of a mess yeah. in that regard <laughs> yeah it's a little bit idealistic to think that one community can provide all the services Mm -hmm. anybody would ever need you know like i know that's another thing we talk about a lot in social work is knowing the other resources around you and how to connect people to them and like how to Outreach and build that continuum of care and, you know, cause no one place can do it all. Yes, you know, exactly. there's people have different needs and, and you gotta be able to like refer out mm-hmm. and, and let people go to the experts for whatever it is they're dealing with. And so I think, yeah, that is something I saw in community too. It's just this idea that it's like a one stop yeah. shop of like, mm-hmm. it's, you can pray about, pray about it. Mm-hmm. That is fine. You know, like there's exorcisms and, you know, it might be like a a demon that you're that is following you around or it might be, yeah. you know, like or even if people do recognize like addiction and other illnesses as as illnesses, um, I think even then it's like, well if you have the supportive God and the community, then we can get through this, you know. Yeah. It's just not enough. Mm -hmm. I'm very glad you're going into social work and commend you for doing an addiction minor because I know when stuff comes up that's like triggering for me in my classes, it's all it's it's tough. It's tough to deal with the stuff that is really personal to you, but it's also like the most rewarding to be able to feel like you're making a difference there. Right. Yeah, my my sister, Joy, passed away from an accidental overdose. Um, and so I think that's what sort of got me thinking about the idea of helping people who have struggled with addictions and helping families who are supporting people who have struggled with addictions. Um, and I, I 100% agree with what you're saying about community not being sort of like a, an end-all, a be-all, end-all, you know? Um, I think that a lot of things are, you know, dealt with internally, whether it's just like individual problems with mental illness, like they try and just say like, Oh, but read the scripture that says have no anxiety Mm -hmm. at all or be joyful in all things. (laughs) And that, that angers me more than anything in the world (laughs) because you know, like, the Lord put, I mean, I, I believe God put, you know, resources in our lives for a reason. And yeah. it needs to be a balance of prayer and of getting help from counselors, from therapists, from medications, from anything, any resources yeah. that you can get in order to deal with these things. Um, and, yeah, my mom... Struggled with mental illness. She still does, um, for like a very, very long time. She struggled with addiction Mm -hmm. for a while and was not Mm -hmm. making it to prayer meetings. Um, my dad had a stroke in 2011 and has been disabled ever Mm -hmm. since then. And so he wasn't able to make it to things by himself. And eventually my parents got asked to take a break from community because they weren't making it to things because they weren't making it to prayer meetings um and my mom was sort of trying to explain like you know I'm super I've been really struggling with anxiety with depression I'm trying to take care of my husband I'm trying to take care of my kids who are Mm -hmm. you know they're they're emotionally hurt and they're struggling with you know dealing with what happened to their dad and stuff like that and yeah one of the coordinators said to my mom like well my wife is disabled and I still make it to everything so he sort of set that standard for her which was just like I just it it is really damaging and I've noticed that there's there's just like a hierarchy of people in community, and the coordinators are like, "Well, if I can do this, then you can do this." And it, I don't know, just thinking that they're like above people. I don't know. I'm going down on a tangent again, but no, it's, no, it's all right. They're well, yeah. great. I mean, it sounds like there's like this trauma comparison game where you know you can't compare no, traumas, you can't. you can't, and you can't compare how people respond to them how much it impacts them you know Like someone can get their stuff their toe and it could be super traumatic for them like that's a valid yeah. experience you know like judging how other people are able to handle things or like the decisions that they're making for themselves and their family around what they need is yeah like you said Jackie just like very damaging and um yeah I'm sorry that your family has you know Dealt with so much and then receive so much critique for going through so much. That's yeah. just the backwards. Yeah, was. thank you. I I agree. It's been really really difficult. Yeah. Have you been able to find like um good supports? Kind of. I I have um a woman at my church who I try to regularly meet with. We we didn't meet over the summer just the schedules were so crazy and i still have to Mm -hmm. try and figure out when i can start meeting with her again but um yeah she's been really 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 good like talking me through just like traumas and stuff like it's kind of like it's kind of like therapy almost um yeah that's awesome but yeah we've been doing a lot of like healing prayer but not in the community Mm -hmm. sense of healing prayer, where it's just like, we pray that this will go away. Mm -hmm. Amen. And if you don't pray hard enough, then (laughs) your prayer is not going to be answered. Um, (laughs) right. It's, it's really, really good. Like there's an actual like process outlined where, you know, you think about the, the roots of what you're experiencing. And sometimes those roots even go Mm -hmm. back to your childhood and you have these wounds from your childhood. That, like, if certain things happen, those wounds get sort of prodded at. And it's it's so interesting. It's like being in a psychology class almost. Um, yeah, it sounds like it. That's it's, really cool. It's really, really amazing just to kind of get down to the root of what I've been experiencing and the root of certain hurts um, and wounds and stuff in my life. And so that's been really, really life-giving. I... I'm almost like afraid to meet with her again because, uh, yeah. It, yeah. I, I know that it just brings up a lot of stuff, um, and it's difficult, yeah. but she's, she's been so good and she's been so compassionate. Like there's a stark difference between meeting with her and my experiences with pastoral leaders from community. And I already sort mm-hmm. of mentioned that a little bit, um, with just how I talked to my director and Dublin but yeah it's I I've never felt like actually understood and like seen by anybody who was my pastoral leader and I think maybe maybe Mm. I just got people that I didn't connect with well but I also don't agree with the fact that you just get assigned a pastoral leader who is like a stranger to you and you just have to sort of open up and tell them everything about your life like it was so different with this woman at my church um I I just knew that she was working a lot with like this healing ministry and so I reached out to her I was like can I meet with you please and it just kind of started from there like it was it was something that like we both wanted Mm -hmm. we both agreed to and it came from sort of a pre-existing relationship it wasn't just like you're assigned this person and you have to meet with them once a month and you have to tell them everything about your life and all the sins that you have and they'll tell you how to get over it and i just i i didn't like that whole concept of pastoral leaders yeah yeah that changes the dynamic so much when you're the one who's reaching out and seeking it out you know you reached out to her and assigned somebody Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hope I'm wondering what you wish people knew about leaving community. Um, What I wish people knew about leaving community. You said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, it's scary, but it's really freeing. I think is the main thing that I've realized. Um yeah, just being able to make free choices to pursue the things that I want to pursue um and the relationships that I want to pursue and stuff like that has been really 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 good. Um and that was something that I didn't really get in community was like that freedom. It was like you made this commitment, you have to come to these things, you have to talk to these people and you know you have to exert yourself in all of these ways. But I think that freedom to just kind of choose where to where to use my talents and where to invest my time is really, really, really life giving. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Powerful. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you again for coming on and for sharing your story. Um, I mean, this isn't a super easy thing to talk about yeah. and Decompress, but we really appreciate you being that yeah. with us. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I hope that you are able to do something really relaxing with the rest of your day. I have to go study, <laughs> so. Oh, um, <laughs> so <laughs> <normally>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, and thank you again, Hope. Yeah, again. thank you so guys. much, Hope. Yeah. It was great talking to you. Yeah. We'll yeah. see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.